a meditation by james howell fifteen ninety four to sixteen sixty six from familiar letters of james howell this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. To my honorable friend, Sir C. C. Sir, I was on a point of going abroad to steal a solitary walk when yours of the twelfth current came to hand. The high researches and choice abstracted notions I found therein seemed to heighten my spirits and make my fancy fitter for my intended retirement and meditation add thereunto that the countenance of the weather invited me for it was a still evening it was also a clear open sky not a speck or the least wrinkle appeared in the whole face of heaven twas such a pure deep azure all the hemisphere over that i wondered what was become of the three regions of the air with their meteors so having got into a close field i cast my face upward and fell to consider what a rare prerogative the optic virtue of the eye hath much more the intuitive virtue in the thought that the one in a moment can reach heaven and the other go beyond it therefore sure that philosopher was but a kind of frantic fool that would have plucked out both his eyes because they were a hindrance to his speculations moreover i began to contemplate as i was in this posture the vast magnitude of the universe and what proportion this poor globe of earth might bear with it for if those numberless bodies which stick in the vast roof of heaven though they appear to us but as spangles be some of them thousands of times bigger than the earth take the sea with it to boot for they both make but one sphere surely the astronomers had reason to term this sphere an invisible point and a thing of no dimension at all being compared with the whole world i fell then to think that at the second general destruction it is no more for almighty god to fire this earth than for us to blow up a small squib or rather one small grain of gunpowder as i was musing thus i spied a swarm of gnats waving up and down the air about me which i knew to be part of the universe as well as i and methought it was a strange opinion of our aristotle to hold that the least of those small insected ephemerans should be more noble than the sun because it had a sensitive soul in it i fell to think that in the same proportion which those animalilios bore with me in points of bigness the same i held with those glorious spirits which are near the throne of the almighty what then should we think of the magnitude of the creator himself doubtless tis beyond the reach of any human imagination to conceive it in my private devotions i presume to compare him to a great mountain of light and my soul seems to discern some glorious form therein but suddenly as she would fix her eyes upon the object her sight is presently dazzled and disgregated with the refulgency and coruscations thereof 
walking a little further i spied a young boisterous bull breaking over hedge and ditch to a herd of kine in the next pasture which made me think that if that fierce strong animal with others of that kind knew their own strength they would never suffer man to be their master then looking upon them quietly grazing up and down i fell to consider that the flesh which is daily dished upon our table is but concocted grass which is recarnified in our stomachs and transmuted to another flesh i fell also to think what advantage those innocent animals had of man who as soon as nature cast them into the world find their meat dressed and cloth laid and the table covered they find their drink brewed and the buttery open their beds made and their clothes ready and though man hath the faculty of reason to make him a compensation for the want of those advantages yet his reason brings with it a thousand perturbations of mind and perplexities of spirit griping cares and anguishes of thought which those harmless silly creatures were exempted from going on i came to repose myself upon the trunk of a tree and i fell to consider further what advantage that dull vegetable had of those feeding animals as not to be so troublesome and beholden to nature nor to be subject to starving to diseases to the inclemency of the weather and to be far long lived then i spied a great stone and sitting a while upon it i fell to weigh in my thoughts that the stone was in a happier condition in some respects than either of those sensitive creatures or vegetables i saw before in regard to that stone which propagates by assimilation as the philosophers say needed neither grass nor hay nor any ailment for restoration of nature nor water to refresh its roots or the heat of the sun to attract the moisture upwards to increase growth as the others did as i directed my pace homeward i spied a kite soaring high in the air and gently gliding up and down the clear region so far above my head then i fell to envy the bird extremely and repine at his happiness that he should have a privilege to make a nearer approach to heaven than i excuse me that i trouble you thus with these rambling meditations they are to correspond with you in some part for those accurate fancies of yours lately sent me so i rest your entire and true servitor j h holborn seventeen march sixteen thirty nine end of meditation by james howell fifteen ninety four to sixteen sixty six from the familiar letters of james howell